Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. All right, so the plan was to introduce the new year and happy new year for those joining us fresh. We were going to kick off the new year with some good news, some so-called, quote, bullish news with our personal situation. Our endeavors both were closed today. This actually is a bad thing for one of them because they had a major release. This is technology I speak. Major release that happened on, on 1231. I dialed in yesterday just to kind of keep an eye on it. Saw what appeared to be a pretty bad issue. I couldn't place why it was an issue or why it was happening. And so as I saw this, it's like, all right, that's probably not right. There's nothing I can do because they can't pay me. We were prohibited from any sort of billable hours. So I'm not allowed to be on the clock if it's not billable. So I have to wait till tomorrow. My guess is it'll still be broken <laughs> tomorrow. And then I know what to do to fix it, but we have kind of a self-imposed change freeze. So we are, there's a lot of major stuff going on where I'm not gonna be able to really do too much. Now I can do some simple patches, but the patch that I would do would basically be running the engine again. And if we run the engine again, has to run during business day. That's not really fun. Plus, we have to figure out what the heck went wrong. And I suspect it's just the way the engine's built. There's It was going to happen again. And this is the first time anybody that's there now saw this happen. The people that saw this happen before wouldn't have known. So it is what it is. All we can do is try to remedy it and see if we can move it forward um, and correct it. But I know what the problem is. I'd love to fix it. It's just we have so much going on. So I'm not, I'm really not ecstatic that this end, this job runs right on holidays and then weekends. And then they had another day off. So tomorrow is going to be interesting there. But worse than that, right? I was talking about getting the car. So I did a podcast episode on Casual Talk Radio, the sister podcast. And I did a blog right up and that blog is making the rounds. But ultimately, I... I can't speak low enough about Carvana. Now, I had gone through this process a little bit before, but I expected that everything would be a little bit smoother because we at least got to the point of a delivery date. Now, here's the issue. 
these jokers called me two hours before the date of delivery. I'm thinking, yep, I'm calling. I'm on my way. I'll be there on time. No, she says, yeah, there's a camshaft uh, error code. Deep, deep, deep. So now they claim to do a freaking inspection, but there's no way they could have done an inspection. I started this process back in December. So you would think they would do an inspection back then. Apparently, I was told this from one of the reps I talked to today, and I canceled that order. But apparently, they don't do any sort of fix or inspection, hard inspection, like actually going in there. They don't really do anything until it's actually delivered to the local uh, place. Then they do it just before they deliver it, which is absolutely mind-boggling that they can even sustain that. I just happen to luck out that in this case, the driver didn't deliver me a lemon <laughs> off the gate. And there's a lot of money that was put down on this dude. Now, of course, the money will come back. It's And I got money in the bank. I'm not worried about being out. It. It's the principle. It's like you guys had a chance to get the car right. And what you should do is do an inspection, check it, double check it before you load it on a truck for delivery, not after. That's what I'm just like tripping on. And I know that they're in the local because it was two hours before. This is coming from Phoenix. Phoenix is a four and a half hour drive minimum. So there's no way. And with a big rig, there's no way she was going to be anywhere close to on time if this turned up. So I told him, and they, and then I said, hey, look, escalate this to your boss up above your pay grade and get this thing done. I need compensation. I'll take pretty much anything you can offer at this point, but I need the car because I need to be up in uh, the new place. And the guy wasn't willing to budge. All right, cool. So I just canceled it. I'll just get my money back and I'll go somewhere else. Well, I actually found a car. And it's in Utah, which pisses me off, but it's in Utah. This car, like, I don't know if anybody, <laughs> you talk about the definition of luxury. This car is like the definition of luxury. And apparently the way they got lucky, because this car, something happened where it wasn't like salvage, but it was enough that they issued a branded title calling it salvage, even though it wasn't like a total loss. It was weird. I looked at the car. The car is actually perfectly fine. I have to contact them and find out what went wrong with the front because there was something on the front end. I saw the breakout in Carfax. They said, yeah, basically it, it hit something and then it went through a fence. And so I don't know how, I'm assuming it's something with the axle in the front, but I want to just understand that. And then if I do an inspection, it turns out okay. We're talking a car that's like $80,000, freaking $80,000. It's got... 20,000 miles on this thing and they only want 30 grand. And I was like, look, <laughs> if this car inspects clean as in, okay, yeah, it's got that title, but it's actually nothing wrong with it. I'm on that one. Cause that's like the definition of luxury. I would keep that dude. I would keep him. I would never trade him. I would just pay that bad boy off in like a month and just keep him and roll around fat with fat stacks. Like that's how beautiful. Then later I would hire, you know, like a sexy driver and have them drive me around while I'm taking, you know, whatever phone calls in the back. So while the first deal didn't go through with the car, I'm still on the hustle to find a car because I got to get up there. And I also have an inquiry out to Enterprise because turns out Enterprise Rent-A-Car might be willing to rent me a car to, you know, just get up there. And then I would have, then I'd, you know, get something up there because it seems like it's just local. I told you Nevada sucks. Anyhow, that's what's going on in my life. Let's talk some crypto, shall we? Our numbers don't really look that special leading into January. Of course, it's still early yet, but 
Our numbers don't look that special. They don't look horrible, but they don't look that special. Ethereum is hovering still around the 1200 mark. On the month chart, it does look more red than green. And as I said, that usually indicates downward momentum. However, I do still see that Ethereum is going to come out strong. It's not, it's not the end of the world, I should say. Bitcoin, of course, it's the same visual as in the graph on the month. But Bitcoin looks like it's going to have a little bit of a stronger recovery. Bitcoin, it looks like, from what I can tell, there are people stacking it pretty heavy. They're, they were waiting for that bottom. And so they're, as it's going down, there are people that are stacking it. And this is causing possible long-term sentiment. We also see a possible end to some of the liquidations. Now, I do believe Bitcoin is going to get at least to the 10, 11, 12 mark at the true bottom at some point this year. I can't tell you when. And assuming we don't get another poof hair, is poised to go on another run. So Bitcoin and Ethereum look to be good as a long play. If you're going to get into them, I see them good as a long play. I would argue that with Ethereum, if you're going to get in it, now's the best time to do it. For Bitcoin, it may or may not be. It depends on your strategy. Bitcoin feels like it's got a little bit more to go down before it hits up. So if I'm right, and I can't see that I am, but if I'm right, people might choose to buy now and then kind of sit on it. People might choose to buy now and short it, you know, a little bit later. People might choose to hold off until they see a true bottom. There's no way to know a Bitcoin. So depending on which one you choose, if you choose either of them, it's it's kind of an open up in the air situation. I can't say 100%. I will tell you that from my eyes, I still maintain that feels like at least that Ethereum is going to be the stronger of the two assets uh, long-term, especially leading into 2023 and beyond. Meanwhile, Luna Classic is still hurting because of all the damage done with a toxic community. Luna Classic started to have a little bit of a run-up. Some of this was triggered off of activity that was happening, social media chatter, plans, things where they were saying, you know, there's going to be a merge. However, recently, the circulating supply increased by quite a bit of tokens or coins. And this was because KuCoin had unlocked a significant amount of those coins, which caused people to think there was going to be a massive dump. We have not seen a massive dump as of yet. However, people still think that there's an opportunity for that massive dump. And of course, the circulating supply going in the wrong direction has people a little bit skittish. Finance, of course, has halted, not terminated, but halted the burn activity. This has also lent itself to negative sentiment across the board with Luna Classic. As I said, it's in trouble and I don't know what to think of it. Hopefully it'll work long-term, but as it stands right now, <laughs> uh, as it stands right now, we have a little bit of a long way to go for Luna Classic before we start seeing anything in a positive direction with it. And you know what? I think a lot, a lot of the different cryptocurrencies are having an issue. And I don't know. I do, but I don't, I'm not sure, let's say. I'm not sure how we get past some of the nonsense. I'm talking the basic nonsense of things. The idea that you have this, you have something that's got this great potential, it's being held back or it's being suppressed or somehow damaged by external factors beyond one's control. Because even if you're not in crypto directly and say you go to ETFs, you're still being infected by garbage. And I don't know how we get past that. I'm just saying that this feels, it feels like a negative influence that's, that's, it's problematic, big picture, to which I'm going to be talking about a couple of other projects that they appear to be having problems too for different reasons, but I think it kind of ties in together. And so I don't want to spend too much time on any one of them. It's kind of take it all in totality. 
So lawmakers very recently came out and they were talking about doing a trading ban, stock trading ban with conflicts of interest. This is talking about trading bans within Congress itself because they believe sometimes you might be invested in certain types of stocks, but also cryptocurrencies where there's a conflict of interest. So the, the, the messaging here was, you know, obviously we know Ted Cruz, he stacks bags of Bitcoin. He's openly admitted this, but we also saw that, you know, the Gary Gensels of the world, he's involved in something over here and there's open disclosure law. There's this laws that say, okay, you got to report these and there's certain things that are allowed and certain things that are not and so on. Well, Elizabeth Warren came out very recently and she was talking about, you know, Congress shouldn't own or trade stock and neither should their spouses. And this was a very positive message, but here's the thing. Is it really a problem that they trade it or is it a problem that they are for or against it and don't disclose which way on which side of the aisle that they are. So in other words, if let's say it's Gary Gensler, I'll pick on him. If it's Gary Gensler, right. And he's talking about banning crypto and this is a security and this is that and the other at no point is he, is he openly saying, you know what? I own Bitcoin and I think it should be a security and I'm willing to pay that. He's not saying that he's basically it's, you know, all for the, not for me type of messaging that contradictory messaging. I believe that's the real problem. I don't think it's whether they trade or not. I think it's how do they act when they're in office considering the trade? Do we see that they're meeting with some of these cryptocurrency providers and some of these big businesses? We know that there's a lot of lobbying dollars going along. If we know that they're kind of in cahoots with some of these companies and they own it, then that would be a conflict. Truly. I don't have a problem with them owning it. I just think there needs to be open disclosure and they should at that point be prohibited from any sort of conversation they shouldn't be allowed to take any sort, any sort of these kickbacks or any of that stuff. Lobbying money should be rejected. If you do accept any lobbying money and you're saying, I don't own this, it should all be documented. You're, you're divulging that you don't own this and you're kicking back this money that was given to you for like, we need to have a little more transparency. Then I'd be okay with it. The only reason this is coming out is because they refuse to be transparent about it. And I think that's what causes a lot of people to just say, and eh, just ban it, dude, dude. If they're going to do that, that's great. I don't think it really solves the problem, big picture, because I think we have more issues than this deal here. If you haven't been following the Logan Paul situation, by the way, kudos to you if you have not, but if you haven't been following the Logan Paul situation, Logan Paul, of course, is the one that recently went to WWE and was playing with his friends in WWE, but he also does NFTs. He does crypto projects. He does some crap NFTs. Well, CoffeeZilla started digging into one of them, and this started to become a big thing. CoffeeZilla got some major ways for taking this on, and it went it went deep. It, it was so deep that even CoffeeZilla, he had to break it into like three different episodes because there was so much going on, so many layers of a thing, and even I was having, I was getting frustrated just trying to follow the fiasco, so I'm not going to try to waste your time on it. Suffice to say, Apparently, this project, CryptoZoo, i never heard of it, and the Binance Smart Chain, what was claimed is you do this NFT, the mint eggs, and then the eggs hatch, and they do something else. And then there were supposed to be passive rewards as a part of this whole deal. And Logan Paul had talked about it on his Impulsive, I think it's called, podcast, where he was putting it over and saying, yep, it's a fun game, we're going to do this. Apparently... <laughs> he had something went wrong and the eggs would never hatch and nobody knew what was going on. Jake Paul disappears. He's not even part of the project. He wasn't part of the project. He just disappears, completely disappears, takes people's money. 
There were people telling stories. One guy said he lost the equivalent of 500 grand in this garbage. And I don't know why he was so stupid as to give that much money to this. All of them said the same thing. Well, you know, it's Logan Paul and I trusted him and he's an influencer. That's not an excuse, frankly, my mind. But point is, this is all this, right? So apparently Crypto King, he was involved. His account just got suspended very recently. There's all these different people. And again, Jay, uh, Logan, he just completely ducked the smoke on this, right? Well, apparently, then Logan Paul says he's going to spin up this other project, a completely different project, out of the blue. And people are like, well, wait a minute. What about this other one that you abandoned, bro? So then after CoffeeZilla calls him out, all of a sudden, Logan starts showing up in that uh, telescam, saying, okay, I'm here. Let's da, 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 da. <laughs> And Logan tried to get CoffeeZilla on his podcast because, of course, he wants the hits. He wants the views. He knows the deal. Coffeezilla's like, screw that. I'm not going, because he wanted to go down there physically. He's like, I'm not going down there. I'm not going down there. I'll go on your video. We'll video stream it. I'm not going down to your tax haven. I'm not going to do this. So Logan Paul's asked him like three times to just come down and come on the show. Coffeezilla's like, no. Coffeezilla's like, you can come on my show and we'll turn off monetization or we'll donate or whatever, but you can come on my show if you want. I'm not going to his, his uh, show. <laughs> and it's this whole big thing. This has to arguably be the biggest one. Like I thought the whole safe move thing CoffeeZilla did was one of the biggest reveals, but arguably this has to be even larger than that because again, there's so many layers to it. I'm not going to bore you. I do encourage you if you're interested, dig into that because there's so much to this garbage. It's like, now, of course, it, it's obvious, right? You've heard me talk about Schiller's and you've heard me criticize Schiller's and the people that follow Schiller's and this is why, but the, the level of complexity involved in this whole business was amazing, at least to me, to see it. And kudos to CoffeeZilla for catching it and, and not being afraid to speak out on it. Apparently, he got threatened on a thing. And he tried to talk to Logan Paul's manager and get a statement, counter statement about the claims. And the manager basically threatened him. It was basically a veiled threat. And he's like, CoffeeZilla's like, look, I'm calling you to try to get your side of the story. And this joker is like, yeah, you need to be telling the truth. Deep, deep, deep. And CoffeeZilla's like, yeah, that's what I'm calling you. So let's talk. Well, I got nothing to say. Okay, well, <laughs> like you can't have it both ways, bro. Like it was it was crazy, crazy. I do encourage you to take a look at it uh, and read when you get free time because there's a lot to it. Make sure it's spare time because you're going to spend a lot of time on that business. Square Enix recently came out again and said, you know what? We are still going to be doing blockchain-powered games. People are not happy hearing them say that. Recently, they had done an announcement saying we got a new game. It's a big thing. People thought it was a new Parasite Eve. Turns out, no, it wasn't. I assumed it was something around their million Arthur that they bought. Nothing there. Nothing. Square Enix says we still are doing it. Now, here's the thing. People in general apparently don't want NFTs in gaming. I don't understand this, and I'll tell you why. We have to at least settle on a reality check of NFTs are either crap or they're not. I did a coverage a while ago where I said it seems like people are getting tired of NFTs. I maintain that. But the natural fit is NFTs and games. Follow me here. Right now in games, the worst thing you can do is loot boxes and free-to-play and all this DLC, and you're paying this extra over top of it and really not getting very much value in return. What I said was if you can somehow pair NFTs that have intrinsic value and are tradable to the gaming world to replace the free-to-play model, to replace the loot box model, to replace the garbage DLC model, 
to give them something that's still tradable that you can still reuse and multiple people can use by you just simply sending the NFT to somebody or selling it to somebody. There's a huge opportunity there because gaming is a huge market, always has been. And many of the gamers are probably not in cryptocurrency right now, believe it or not, because many of the gamers might still lean older and they haven't gotten into cryptocurrency. Well, if you can bridge the two effectively, you might have something there. And what we've needed is one of the large gaming studios or console manufacturers to step up and create some really good games using blockchain and Web3. And that hasn't happened yet. Zillica is certainly working on it. I was just recently looking at the CEO. Apparently, they changed CEOs in October. He's talking about, well, maybe we need to spin this off and let something else run it, and it'll just be on Zillica. So I think that's going to be not good. So seeing Square Enix still saying they're going to step up and do something is good. I don't know if they'll make it work, but I do maintain that there is a natural synergy between NFTs, at least a potential of them, and what we currently have in terms of loot boxes and DLC and free-to-play models where you can marry the two and give some long-term value to it instead of the cash grab it currently is. Even for them, they can make profit because for the NFT, like we saw with the Trump NFTs, I like these NFTs, you can get a slice. You get a creator gets a fee every time it's bought and sold. That's a huge revenue stream above and beyond everything that they do right now. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but I'm excited about the potential at least. Now, I don't like Square Enix doing it because I think they got other problems. But I would like to see more gaming step up and do something, and I wish more developers would take a forefront approach to it. I understand why gamers might be a little bit hesitant because they don't want their games affected, but I would argue that that's a little bit of addiction to the free-to-play model, and I speak as somebody that at one point was in free-to-play, and I understand how addictive it can be. And I believe that if they got into a new model, they get used to it just like they got used to the current free-to-play model. My last update here today is about Solana. Solana, of course, has been hurting thanks to the FTX fiasco. Solana has some new projects that are announcing their departure from the blockchain. I think these projects are garbage, frankly. However, we did see that Solana started to go up a little bit more, and it is expected to recover what it had lost, but it's losing a lot of steam. It's losing a lot of sentiment, mostly because of FTX. It's not necessarily right now <laughs> that anything's wrong with it, except the fact that the network kept going down. It seems to have stabilized since, but then the FTX thing hit it. So you got multiple stacking things like a domino effect affecting this project. Nobody really knows what's going to happen in the future. However, it is expected to recover the vast majority of what it has lost, assuming it can remain stable, assuming it can remain on track, and assuming it can get more projects on the chain. I do think that Polygon is starting to take over a little bit. I do think the Phantom is, is starting to take over a little bit. But I believe this is just a spitball. I believe that Solana will be okay long-term. Now they got to be careful because Cardano's course coming up from behind and hopefully Cardano doesn't overtake them too soon before they get an opportunity to fix the underlying issues about what's going on. Cryptocurrency is in a very iffy spot right now, but it's, it's I'll say even precarious. People expect that with the rate changes and everything that's going to happen in Q1, that we are still primed for a run. Like I said, that, we should get some positive movement, assuming we don't get some negative catalysts getting in the way. Time will tell who gets it right and who gets it wrong. Do we see more of a crap out? I don't know, but I don't think so. Based on what I see of the graphs, it looks like we're poised for success. And hopefully that we maintain that momentum. And hopefully everybody out there that's listening, we see, I'm, I'm cheering for you truly, that we see much more successful, much more positive actions in 2023 than we saw in 2022. 
because I believe that a lot of people were really damaged in 2022, and it's time we get a breath of fresh air. It's time the cryptocurrency is stopped. We don't have more damage happening to it. We got to get rid of the kids that say we're a jeet and say they were keck. That's still on deck. But I do think projects need to step up and mature. I did a coverage on the Fave 5 on the, on the YouTube channel, and I can't speak highly about QuackX. I think that most should do something like it. Not having to connect your wallet. It's just a straight-up exchange. You can cross-bridge without having to do a thing. You don't have to worry about the network you're on. Those are the kinds of utilities I want to see more projects do. I see projects like EverRise seeming to stale out for some reason. Ones like Luna Classic killing their communities. I see other ones are faltering. And I don't know. I said that in 2022, we're going to see many of them die off. We might see more in 2023 die off. If we start getting the run, especially for Ethereum, like I said, it may be that they're just simply, you know, they're hooking onto that wagon and they're benefiting from that run when really they don't do anything. Projects like Lily Finance, for example where allegedly it was going to get on Coinbase, never really did. But if Ethereum goes on a run, could have FOMO pumps, and then people think it's back when it's really never been there in the first place. So there's, there's, it's like a gift and a curse to see Ethereum going to run because we don't want projects to benefit when they're not really doing anything. The project itself should do something of itself. Unfortunately, there's less of those. We aren't seeing nearly as many scams, but the scams are certainly still out there. Now, we're kind of in this era of the let's say so-called Schiller social media type projects that they're not really going to be a thing like cult Dow is a great example where it's really just social media that drives it. They may have a good idea, but they don't know how to, you know, appeal outside the crypto bubble as an example. Well, I actually would support these projects if they would want to appeal out of crypto bubble outside the bubble. Many of them don't. And so it's hard for me to support them because you have to be able to sell it to regular people. You can't assume people in crypto because here's the truth. Many people, more people have left than got into cryptocurrency because of all the damage we did to it. Until we reverse that trend, we're going to still see the same type of disruption. Last point, if everybody is, hopefully, everybody is safe and happy and, and healthy and everything with the weather and all that garbage that was happening, we don't know what's going to happen coming here soon if we get another event. I know there was some heavy rains out in the West. Everything's kind of, and then on top of this, you have, of course, the inflation situation is still happening. They just said that, you know, even if you do get a car, like car prices have been out of whack. And even if you do get a car for a decent price, maintenance is way higher now. So everything's biting into the wallet. And salaries certainly are not commensurate with the damage we're seeing. That's harming cryptocurrency as well. And then you got tax season coming up. I know it's frustrating, certainly frustrating for me. Hold the line is my advice to you. Hold the line, but also hold the line in the direction that makes sense for you. Don't feel pressure to do anything. Do what makes sense for you. Do what makes sense for your family. Because no matter what, your family's going to be there. The crypto thing's not. And if crypto does crap out, at some point it'll recover, and you can just wait it out at worst case. No matter what, though, I think your family should come first. Take care of them. Take care of yourself. Try to stay healthy. I know that's hard, and I'll probably tell the story about why I'm speaking about this so much at some point in the distant future. Reminder that we'll be back again on Wednesday this week. We are doing a different recording schedule. Even though I didn't get in my car, I'm still sticking with schedule. So we'll be back again Wednesday this week, and then we'll be doing our YouTube on Friday. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form. The link's at the very top. 
We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like and what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors, the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that say the word Kek. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.